It felt a little to me like when it turned out Maggie shot Mr. Burns. We've seen it all before, so let's reload on a very special episode of shows that suck and shows that blow. Buckle up, buttercup, it's a bumpy road. Going deep inside the mainframe, secret code. Some of this shit stinks, some of it's gold. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode the podcast in which we talk about obscure television shows that no one remembers. <laughs> I am your host this week, Ryan Alexander Tanner. With me on the island of Westeros is a que- evil queen who's gone mad with power. David Bitsenoffer. And a secondary character that nobody even really thought about. Who becomes the king at the end? <laughs> I am Austin of House Gorton, first of his name. Mm-hmm. All right. And so, this podcast generally, we talk about very special episodes of television, sometimes movies. And that usually means like the Say No to Drugs episode of Different Strokes or the time Webster got molested. <laughs> Even though we but haven't done that episode yet. <laughs> no, but in my, in my heart, we have. <laughs> uh, but we also sometimes do cultural events and things like that. So, this week we're doing Game of Thrones, Season 8, Episode 6, The Iron Throne, the conclusion of the series. And I think we're just going to shit on it for <laughs> 90 minutes. So, for those of you who haven't been reading the internet at all... yeah. We're not alone in this, right? <laughs> two months. Um, so we did Avengers Endgame recently, and I I gave these two co-hosts a hard time because I'm a Pollyanna about Marvel movies. <laughs> I thought they were a little gripey. Well, but this... <laughs> one of us was probably too gripey for you. <laughs> I thought you were both too gripey. <laughs> but this one, yeah. So this is going to be catharsis. And this, I would say, more than anything is when I've... We usually don't care about quick turnarounds because you're usually talking about shows that are 30 years old. Yeah. But this one, I, it's, it'll come out one, exactly one week after the episode aired. And I'm curious if uh, the culture of the nation will just be over it by then. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does feel like there was yeah, everything burned so hot before this finale that it's just kind of like ashes by the time the finale came to begin it's with. true it starts in a pile of ashes and it feels that <laughs> yeah. way it feels like let's get this over with well okay so before we get into the episode itself david bitzenhofer what is your relationship with the game of thrones uh i started you know yeah i just kind of got on it after the first season like i remember i bought the dvds because i guess i was bored and heard good things about it and i'm like yes i'm gonna watch this and then did and then pretty much started watching it as it aired the second season i have heard of stuff from the books but never read any of the books and some of that just comes from me having zero confidence the books are going to be finished so i didn't want to start something that wasn't going to get finished and then but it's not like i haven't heard anything but so and then uh, probably around the third or fourth season, I started recapping every episode on our blog because Austin didn't want to do it anymore, so I took over for him, <laughs> and so I've been doing that, even though sometimes they're a little late because, I don't know, I've got a real job, and it gets in the way of stuff, but 
Uh, so I, yeah, I guess I'm a recapper of Game of Thrones as well. Although, so are you a super fan or what? Uh, Do you like it? <laughs> David's a super fan of nothing. Austin, that's not true, and you know it. But <laughs> I mean, this is a show that likes to kick its audience in the nuts, and I got tired of that probably sooner than most people. And I tried to appreciate mm-hmm. it for what it was, but it was tough. For me to get too far invested without feeling like uh, whatever I'm going to want to happen, they're going to make sure it doesn't happen, or at least mm. in the way I want it. And I know that's kind of its shtick, so it's tough to like really get mad at it for getting for knowing what's that's what it is, and then getting mad that it does what it's going to do is seems weird. But, but so you've seen all of it and you've watched it pretty intently, though. Yes, sorry. So I you're. Mean, whether uh, if if saying you're a fan means that you love it, then we <laughs> sounds you're a little wavy. But you've watched it all. You've been on board. I've for watched shit. it all. I've recapped a lot of the episodes. I've liked some of it. I haven't liked some of it. I just know yeah. that other people know it a lot better than I do. Sure, that's probably sure. Austin. I guess that's where. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like six people who are going to listen to this who are just going to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially since I'm hosting this one, which we'll get to. But uh, how about you, Austin? Uh, so let's see. I I was uh, Christy and I, my wife and I were talking about this recently, trying to figure out exactly when we came into the show, because we didn't start watching it right away. I think the third season was the first season we watched live. So we would have watched the first two seasons via dvd or blu-ray and it was actually my brother who introduced me to the show he was a fan of the books and then mm. started watching the show as soon as it launched and was like hey i think you'd really enjoy this so he would come over and we'd watch a few episodes um at a time to get through the first and second seasons and then uh, for a while he would come over like on sunday nights when when the new seasons were on and watch it with us and so he was a book reader and was kind of my point of reference was like things that happen in the show. And I'd be like, Oh, what does this mean in the books? What, you know, how is this different? And so then eventually I started reading the books Mm. and I've read the first three books. And I'm currently like literally right now reading the fourth book, which is a feast for crows. Um, mostly just because I started reading the books probably after season four, season five, just because I'm like, well, I, I like these characters. I like this world. I want to know more about it. I'm sick of waiting for the show. So I started reading the books um, kind of in the off season, so to speak. But then I sort of slowed my pace because it became very clear that fucking Ger Martin was going to take a sweet ass time with the books. And so I didn't want to like read them all and then be in the same position as everybody else where they're just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. So I've kind of slowed my pace a bit. How many books are there? There are currently five. Okay. Uh, five in the main Song of Ice and Fire uh, series, plus a, another book that's called A Night of the Seven Kingdoms, which is a collection of three novellas that take place a hundred-ish years before the story starts. Oh. And then there is Fire and Blood, which is uh, a book that I talked about on our year year-end recap show. I was reading at the time that's basically like a history book of the Targaryen dynasty. Uh, the first half of that, at least, is is Fire and Blood. Uh, and I have read that as well. Um, 
and loved it because I'm a total sucker for nonfiction books about fictional worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that shit. So, so yeah, so that's where I'm at. Uh, so, yeah, I've, I've obviously watched the whole, watched all the series and, or all the episodes and whatnot. Um, I feel like, I guess by default, I'll be the Pollyanna of this episode. Uh, well, so, but you're a fan. But it I thought you guys were both like super fans, and it sounds like you're not. Really. I would I would call myself a super fan at this point. Okay, I am I am very very much I enjoy this world. I enjoy mostly its rich history. Mm-hmm. Like I like real world history, and so any fictional world that kind of tries to do the same sort of thing and present a really rich, complex history of its fictional world, I'm I'm all about that. So I'm. I very much enjoy like all the different like the fact that this is a fictional world where we can like we know every king of Westeros from a certain point forward and we know mm-hmm. like all the different significant events and how they all tie together and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, you haven't read all the books like you're not like an encyclopedia about this shit. I have not read all the books, though. I know most of what happens in the books that I haven't read. Yeah. What season was the Red Wedding? See, end of season three, episode oh, three. nine. So maybe I started season watching three. season three then instead of season two. Eh, not that anyone cares. It's my my own curiosity. Nobody cares, David. <laughs> so as I have a weird relationship with this show because I tend I we're all nerds. All three of us are nerds, mm-hmm. um, and I tend to really know about the stuff that I'm a nerd about. Um, but Game of Thrones is the odd thing for me that I'm I'm like as casual as I get about shit because uh, I never watched it. I knew it was a thing. I totally don't understand how this show got so popular because so I kept hearing about it and I started to watch the first season maybe I don't know four years ago or something by myself. And I was like, what the fuck is this even about? <laughs> like, I I could never tell where anything was happening. I was like, do these people live far away from these people? And it felt like it was so much work to get oriented to this fantasy show. I was just like, forget it. Um, so I watched like three or four episodes or something. And I was like, just never mind. Uh, and then I was in a relationship and the woman I was seeing... This was like her show. And I was always like, if someone would just watch it with me and explain a lot of shit, like answer a bunch of questions as we watched it, I could probably do it. So that was how we watched it. We watched the whole thing in like three months or something. It was like all compressed. And that was probably two years ago. So I watched it and there were parts of it I really liked. Like I like certain characters and story arcs and stuff. I can't remember anyone's name, and I watched this season as it came out, and I just was like, I can't remember what any of this shit is. Like, when Bran and Jamie Lannister saw each other at the end of the first episode, I was like, what? And I had to <laughs> look on the internet, I, and I would just read, you know, uh, recaps and stuff as wow. the this season was happening, because I couldn't remember anything. And a lot of these characters I don't know... Like we'll get to it. Like a lot of the council members and shit. I'm like, or it's like, oh, this guy is now the master of coin. And I was like, who, who is that? I don't remember. Ryan, I have not forgotten why Jamie and 
Bran, like, wouldn't stare at each other like that. And that's mostly because any time throughout the entire series someone would talk about how they like Jamie, I'd be like, he threw a kid out the window, you know? Yeah. Like, why, who, that's like an unforgivable act right there, and now you're going to make it seem like he's some sort of noble person? Anyways. Yeah. D- David firmly believes that no one can ever get better. <laughs> Austin, so I throw a kid out the window, and then let's see how much forgiveness you get throughout the. I'm just saying, is it not possible for a bad person to repent for their sins? And how well did that work for Jamie? Not very well. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big question, too. You know, I don't know if we're going to answer that today, mm-hmm. but we are going to shit on the finale. So. I anyway, I just don't really care that much about Game of Thrones. Like I watched these, but I was not very invested. Like, um, I watched them, watched them, but you know, I was kind of it was it was hard for me to pay attention the whole time. I thought a lot of the season was really boring, and a lot of it was whatever. Uh, and I kept having to look up stuff because I was like, I don't know why those two characters are reacting that way to each other. So, um. I don't know. Should we just get right into the episode? I feel like the big thing about this point to me is that in the previous episode, Daenerys, who's been like, to me, the key protagonist, of the whole thing, just fucking massacred a city <laughs> for More no less, reason <laughs> for, for, for really no, no stated reason. At least they really didn't do yeah. much to justify those actions. Yeah. Like, the only reason they gave is she went crazy, and there's you well, they weren't even a hundred percent clear on if that was the reason. There's no like, I, I'm cribbing for my reviews, and I guess I can't help that. So I mean, there's crazy people have their own logic, and we couldn't even follow her crazy logic in that episode. <laughs> and I, and then I was like, then midway through the week, I was like. You know, maybe I should give this show credit. Like, she still has another episode to explain herself. Well, uh-huh. spoiler alert, she does not explain herself at all. <laughs> no. I felt like the information was there. It just wasn't presented well. Like, right. I, I mean, right. everyone will ever forever say about this season that it's just too compressed. It was like two seasons worth of shit in six episodes, right? Yeah. But then they also so, had, like, a lot of filler that they didn't need to have. like And boring shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, slow, boring episodes. <laughs> um, and I think, overall, to me, the weakest thing about Game of Thrones is that you have all these kind of nuanced motivations vying against each other. And then you just have a big zombie army for no reason. Yeah. That was... And I kept waiting for a reason to give a shit about that. And it just was... That was a total dud to me. I mean, it works as kind of a good metaphor. I mean, everybody has been talking about how it's a metaphor for, like, climate change, where everyone's all concerned about their own little political machinations, but no one's looking at the big, bigger picture of, like, this force of mm. nature that's going to destroy. Mm. And it kind of works, but then when they really start just focusing on the ice zombies, you just realize there's nothing to it, and it's not very dramatically intriguing. Yeah, and, and ultimately the metaphor the metaphor has to become literal in order for there to be like conflict mm-hmm. and so you get like the night king who's you know the manifestation of that threat and then that's where the metaphor starts to break down cuz it's not like there's someone we could stab to death and <laughs> yeah. stop climate change if only there was if only there was i mean <laughs> fucking hey let's get let's get on it but uh um yeah 
Yeah. I also, I mean, to me, the thing is, is that um, this show is interesting because everyone, even like the people who are pieces of shit, like Cersei has a lot of motivations that you understand and you don't like hate her all the time, you know? Yeah, well, I kind of do. You don't I sort of. All the time. Well, she's the shittiest, right? Yeah. She's the most villainy villain, but she also is sympathetic in some ways. Like she has a whole. She's a rich character. She is a rich character, and Lena Headey does a fantastic job. Everybody does a fantastic job, um, but she does a really good job playing her. Uh, I tend to fall in David's camp with Cersei, where like he has no patience for like any redemptive acts or sympathy for Jamie, I have a really hard time having yeah. much in the way of sympathy for mm-hmm. Cersei. Where well, it's, it's just not like, like I have sympathy for Cersei either. She's worse than oh, I know. Jamie. I guess. Oh, I know. I know. I, sorry. I didn't mean to imply that you, <laughs> that you did. I uh, say the way you feel about Jamie mm-hmm. and Cersei, I also feel about Cersei mm-hmm. um, to where it's like, even when they do try to make her sympathetic, I'm just like, yeah, you're a terrible garbage person and you deserve it. <laughs> But so, um, I feel like the show has always been really unpredictable. Like, I've never really known where it's going. And this season, it was like, okay, they're going to fight the zombie army, and then they're going to go kill Cersei. And you're like, okay. And then there was kind of a question of, like, is Daenerys or Jon Snow going to, what's going to happen with that? And they managed to make me, like, did you feel like you gave a shit about what was going to happen leading up to this episode? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I was curious. I <laughs> I was so upset even though I kind of saw it coming because of episodes before it that she's probably just going to go crazy and like even the way they did it without with so little explanation upset me so mm-hmm. much that I kind of was like I don't even know what's going to happen in this like I was kind of over the show after last episode, so Yeah, that's how I felt. Yeah. But I was still I was still curious as to how I was going to end and how they're going to yeah how they're going to end it. Yeah, I guess. Okay, well we'll get to it. I'll just get into it. So we start with Peter Dinklage and he's walking through the destroyed city um, with Jon Snow, right? Yeah, yeah. And I I thought they did an interesting job of conveying like these guys are they haven't technically. Um, like, this is technically their victory that we're in. Yeah. Right. Like, right. that you can see they, like, have their stormtroopers all of a sudden. They're like, oh, shit. Like, mm-hmm. we're, in the, we're in the middle of this fascist takeover that's happening, and we didn't really realize what we were backing until shit was too late. Which I thought, the, the ominous kind of vibe of that, I thought, was there. It was very uh, post-apocalyptic, dystopian, evil empire vibe. A lot of a lot of green screen, yeah. uh, cloudy skies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I felt like you could really see the green screen. Like this kind of looked like the Star Wars prequels to me in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I am one of those people that just I I see people complain online about like oh this looks fake that looks CGI I just I don't. I need someone to explain to me how you see that because I rarely do. So I just have accepted when people say things like that. I'm like, sure, I guess. <laughs> Never mind. Mm-hmm. So then Daenerys gives this big Hitler speech. Yeah, well, and, I was just going to yeah. say, well, part of this was Grey Worm, like, just executing, like, people. And Prisoners. I just hated what's happened to Grey Worm. Like, he has no independent thought whatsoever, and I find that problematic, but... 
Did he all? Was he always like that? Well, I mean, he was basically like a warrior slave who was then freed and then like given a choice, and he's like, "I'm going to follow Daenerys." But then he was just pretty much like Daenerys's slave. Like he just did whatever Daenerys asked of him. And there's kind of this yeah. weird like meta context of like once you're a slave, you can only be a slave, mm-hmm. like even if you have a choice. And I really don't like that. <laughs> I find that problematic. Even back in season three, when she like kills the master and then says, you know, I I hereby free the unsullied and ask that you fight with me, not order you to do it. And they're all like, yeah, we'll fight with her. And you're sort of like, yeah, you gave them that choice technically, but like what other choice did they have? Like yeah. they've been raised since birth to be a slave army. And I feel like you're just getting them as a quote-unquote free army on a technicality at that Mm. point. So I feel like Daenerys at this scene in this moment where she's giving the speech and everything, I just felt like it was so over the top. It was like, yeah, we felt all these ways about these characters and like I supported this character forever. And like, just like that, she's like a fascist and she's talking about world domination, basically. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. she's given, she's giving the old, uh, you know, we're going to free the world from tyranny by putting everyone under the control of me. Yeah. <laughs> like we're going to yeah. we're going to free the world of tyranny by putting it under the control of a tyrant basically. And I know that's how like some fascists will talk, but she's never been that way until just right <laughs> this episode, you know. Yeah. And we don't even so, know what she means like she's like we will go to the north and free Winterfell and you're like what we don't even know what she means by freeing them from what uh, huh. I don't <laughs> I'm trying to get inside her motivations and I know people just say she's crazy but that's not enough for me well I think some of it ties back into her the discussion that she had with Dario I forget if it was in 5 or 6 when he's basically talking about how like you're a con- you're a shitty ruler but you're a great conqueror and it's one thing to like march up to a city and overthrow its rulers and declare that its people are free, but then you just move on and keep conquering. You don't know how to actually rule a city. And so I think this is supposed to echo some of that in terms of her just embracing the idea of like, I'm not a ruler. I'm not someone to be loved. I'm someone to be feared. And I'm going to go travel the world and conquer it and put it all under my control. But yes, the whole the whole thing is very uh, Lenny Riefenstahl and Triumph of the Will and its staging and presentation. Yeah, and I just wanted more like ambiguity in the end of this. I guess like I liked the idea that it was like, oh, you got to pick between Jon Snow and Daenerys at the end. They're not gonna stay together or whatever, and that you would have some internal conflict over how it panned out. But this is just like she's a. a a evil Nazi yeah. and just let's, well, that's where let's... I don't, we can get into it with John Snow and the choice he has to make. He agonizes over it like it's even that complicated of a choice. Yeah, you know? and that's they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. There, but we can get to mm-hmm. that when we go. There. Well, so Peter Dinklage quits. He's like, yeah. I'm not going to be your hand. Which seems like a really odd time and place to do it. Like I don't disagree with him doing it, but I don't know when she's in the middle of a speech in front of the Unsullied. It just seemed like a odd time, but. I thought it was very heroic, like, to make a stand like that was pretty cool thing to do, and selfless, you know? Yeah. I think the idea is just he's so disgusted by what she's done that he can't even contemplate. You know, this is the first time he's interacting with her since the city was sacked, and he just can't even fathom 
playing along, standing by her side, even if just for like, you know, 15 more minutes before he can get her alone and quit. He's just he's had enough and he tosses it down. Well, and he's on her shit list, too, though, because he let his brother go. Yeah, we should mention prior to this scene to her her Nazi rally, we had a scene where he crawled through the rubble to discover his dead brother and sister, who, despite appearing to have been buried under several tons of castle (laughs) in the previous episode, appeared to have only been felled by uh, a few easily displaced bricks so that we could get a uh, uh, a tearful reaction from Peter Dinklage, and then like, and their bodies are surprisingly intact and yeah, to, intact and, and yeah, clutched to one another in a in a you know. Well, and, you could see Jamie had his hand on her tit. <laughs> He's just trying to get like one little cop last, feel, one last, last feel, yeah, one last feel. And like that that whole scene, I feel like is a lot of this season in a microcosm where like the circumstances and the logistics of it are just absolute nonsense. But I mean, Peter Dinklage sells the hell out of it. I mean, he does a great job of just like, you know, his anguish and, you know, this is his family and it wasn't always easy, but he's, he loved his brother and his sister hated him, but it's still his family. And he carries all these emotions. You're just like, I'm, I'm affected by this performance, but everything around it is just nonsense. I uh, I like the idea that Jamie and Cersei just were standing in the wrong spot. Like if they'd been right, <laughs> if they'd been like ten over. feet to the left or right, it, which <laughs> was not fine. at all how it was presented in the previous yeah. episode. Yeah, oh, it's great. So Jon Snow visits Peter Dinklage in the can, and they talk <laughs> for like an hour. I know. They go back and forth and back and forth. And Jon Snow is, like, trying to justify, like, what Daenerys did. Like, they, they killed, you know, Nisande. Like, what would you have done? Are you saying you would do the same thing? I'm like, yes, I think everybody would have done the same thing that she did. Like, except yeah. Joffrey, you know? Well, and so this is where the the lack of chemistry between Kit Harrington and Amelia Clark really mm. is is yet another example of like their lack of chemistry letting things down because i think what we're supposed to take away from this is that you know john is blinded by his love like he's he's making excuses for her because he loves her but they've never really sold that and this is just such a like monstrous act that you just yeah. even if even if they had sold that love it would still mm-hmm. be really hard to sell us in the idea that he would need this much convincing to take her down. And they Mm -hmm. certainly didn't sell us on that relationship. So it's even more ridiculous that he needs to be talked into it as much as he does. Well, it's a little bit of lack of chemistry and they just like, didn't spend the time to do it either. Right. Like everything feels so rushed. So they're trying to like, in the end, give all the beats of like some sort of epic romantic tragedy that they just never put the work in to actually sell to us. And things feeling rushed is going to be a refrain. We'll be saying a lot. <laughs> yeah. This kind of reminds me of like romantic comedies where like uh, I think I've said this before, but like the woman will be with a man, but then another man wants to get with that woman, and then we're supposed to be rooting for the man to like steal her away, but that's all an awkward situation. So their solution is just to make the other man like a real asshole who like cheats on her. <laughs> And then, then we don't feel bad about it anymore. And so they yeah. like really wanted Jon Snow to be the one who like has to kill Daenerys for the good of the country, you know. But you know mm-hmm. he's going to be all conflicted about it. But to do it, they had to make Daenerys be 
and asshole. And so then they just yeah. made her do this monstrous act that suddenly negates any, like, question as to what he has to do or even why he's even agonizing over this. I'm like, yeah, she, she's like, you know, fascist genocidal maniac. You gotta kill yeah. her now. And so, totally. And so and it made the whole thing very uninteresting, whereas, like, I, yeah. I don't need to, like, start, you know, fan ficking this, but there's a lot <laughs> of scenarios where you could make it where to have peace, Daenerys has to die, even though she's relatively innocent through it. And so then it's a question of, you know, should we kill this person even if she doesn't really deserve it, if it means, like, you know, war is over in Westeros. And that could have been an interesting choice to make, but none of nothing about this choice was interesting because it, the choice was obvious, the decision. Yes, and there was no question either that he was going to kill her. Yeah. Like, you were just like, that has to happen. There's no other outcome. for. We got an hour left. <laughs> yeah. There's, she's not going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the for me, the only question going into the finale as far as, like, Daenerys' fate was, is Jon going to kill her or is Arya going to kill her? Right. And then yep. after Jon and Arya had that conversation, which a great moment from this episode was Arya just, like, straight up sneaking up on Jon again where he's just oh, yeah. standing there watching the rally and then, like, looks to his left and Arya's just standing there and she's like you know you're gonna have to kill her right mm-hmm. and so like once they, those two had that conversation then you're like oh okay it's it's not gonna be Arya, it's gonna be john and that answered that question yeah yeah john goes to see daenerys and she's like just trying to w- get some of that sweet john snow <laughs> yeah. well penis <laughs> this is the, the weird the, the weird thing is they're like setting up that daenerys feels john snow is a threat and she's going to betray him and kill him because he's the uh-huh. true heir to the throne. And yeah. so you're kind of expecting tension in that, like, she's going to be, like, plotting against Jon Snow. But then there's no evidence of that when he sees her. Like, she just seems, like, completely starstruck and in love with him. So I She's, don't... like, desperate for him. Yeah, <laughs> That's supposed to add to the tragedy of it. Because yeah. if, yes, she, yeah. if she was, like, wary of him and suspicious of him and then he kills her, he'd be like, well, yeah, she was on the verge of, like killing you do but she's like she's not she's cool with him she's you know she loves him she just wants to be with him but he knows he has to kill her anyway Mm -hmm. and that would have been a cool ending i think now i'm fanficking it but (laughs) if if she felt like she had to kill him because he was the right heir to the throne and then you would be like oh i feel complex feelings about that because mm-hmm. i wanted her to get the throne but it came in this fucked up way you mean if like, she didn't burn down the city too is what you're saying. exactly yeah, yeah. yes yes because her burning down, yes uh, we can all agree her burning down the city <laughs> just fucked the show up yeah. basically it was just a bad move so she's like give me that hot tip john mm-hmm. and then he gives her the tip of a knife. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there, Ryan. No. Thank you. We're, we're all a bunch of white males. <laughs> put it that way. I, talking about this. I will say I've read some stuff online about the problematic imagery of the man inflicting violence on a woman he loves, but, you know, being very conflicted about it, but it's just what has to be done. I have to hurt you, even though it hurts me, too. <laughs> Isn't always Sorry the best laugh. look, but this is a show known for yeah. not having great looks, so, you know. This well, it was just 
this was one of those things where this was like a climactic moment of the whole series and I was sitting and watching this and I was just like, all right, like when this yeah, happened, you know, like, <laughs> ah, great. You know, you weren't like, oh my God, or anything. you're just like, yeah, that was going to happen and that's how it happened. She artfully has like a stream, one strand from her nose and mouth of blood. Um, <laughs> very aesthetically pleasing murder I, of a woman and I, i'd feel yeah exactly she looked very beautiful as she was about. artful yeah <laughs> uh I, i'd be remiss if we didn't like double back a little during the Tyrion john snow conversation and how oh, Tyrion okay. was equating burning down an entire city to killing slavers was like you know we should have seen this coming she killed like people who owned slaves and i'm like eh. right she never did anything super fucked up i know before this. most yeah. of everything she did was justified it was violent but justified and then well like, yeah. she did kill the good slavers as well as the bad slavers <laughs> <laughs> She killed the slavers who were working to destroy the institution of slavery alongside the slavers who were all for slavery. Uh, All right. (laughs) First they came for the slavers. That's totally on the same level as burning a city, David. Yeah, burning millions of, or I think millions, thousands of innocent children and thousands of people. Yeah. Well, the 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 comment that I've seen thrown around quite a bit, which is which is good, is that uh, foreshadowing is not character development. Yeah, like there are there are certainly things in the in the series and particularly in the books that you can go back to and say, in hindsight, this is foreshadowing her turn. This is laying the groundwork for her turn, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, foreshadowing is not character development. That doesn't explain why she did what she did when she did it you know what i think i'll tell you <laughs> i think george rr R. martin uh pulled a fast one on this series showrunners <laughs> and he was like here's what happens at the end and so now when the books end, everyone's going to be so excited because it's going to be a do-over of this shitty ending. Well, my my theory has always been, like, once the show took off and once George R. R. Meyer was doing, at some point he realized he could just let the show end and basically focus group the ending and all these, uh-huh. like, plot points. And then now he knows what he should and shouldn't do and then go Totally. I know. It's a big cheat. Yeah. So then the big dragon shows up. <laughs> yeah. So after real, real quick, killed. just yeah. just uh, uh, again, I guess I'm the Pollyanna here. A uh, couple of things I liked in this sequence when John goes to walk into the throne room. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a scene where where he comes upon what appears to be like a snowdrift or a pile of rocks. And oh yeah, it's, and it's you know Drogon kind of the dragon stands up and mm-hmm. shakes off and uh, that I, was cool. I thought it was just very mm-hmm. cool looking. And yeah. then there's the whole sequence where Danny's walking through the throne room and she's coming up on the Iron Throne and she places her hand on it and that's as far as she gets. Uh, uh, to sitting on, you know, to actually like claiming the throne, so to speak. Um, because then as she's doing that, she's like in the foreground of the shot and in the background is just you know, sort of the darkness of the entryway. And you almost, it, it's almost as though John appears from like nowhere as he mm-hmm. materializes in the background of that shot um, to come into the room and then ultimately to kill her. And it's interesting that he appears just as she's putting her hand on the throne because when she had her, her vision in the house of the undying at the end of season two, when the, 
warlock had captured her dragons and she was running around all, where are my dragons? Where are my dragons? And <laughs> gets taken inside this temple. She has this vision where she walks through the the throne room where it's either snow or ash falling. Uh, mm. And it's ve- you know, now, in hindsight, very reminiscent of this moment. And she gets as far as touching the throne. And then when she touches the throne, she hears the dragons and turns away and doesn't see the end of the vision. Mm. So that was a nice little bit of narrative symmetry there. So this is, that's the other thing, right? Is that winter's coming and winter's like weirdly long, right? <laughs> Except, Except now. it's like six minutes long, <laughs> but we'll get to it. But it's went, it's snowing through all this. Yeah, it's, so, it's never terribly clear if this is supposed to be snow or ash. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. That makes sense. I mean, to, but to be clear, winter has come. I mean, winter came okay. at the end of the seventh season. We, oh, saw, okay. we saw it snowing in, in King's Landing, and when they were up north fighting the army of the dead and all that, it's, it's winter. Winter is here at this point. Okay, well, that amounts to nothing and isn't even consistent in anything we see. <laughs> but... Uh, that sums up the series. <laughs> Next week, we'll talk about Small Wonder. The end. No. Okay. So, um, the drag- Daenerys' dragon shows up. And that's another thing that this show... I just didn't ever understand what they were trying to do with these dragons. Uh, they were her children? I don't know. <laughs> but, like, they're imprisoned for a season, and that didn't really make a lot of sense to me or go anywhere. Well, and then, well, like... Keep in mind, Ryan, like, CGIing dragons is expensive, and what isn't totally. expensive is having them underground locked up where nobody can see them. What? That's true. In defense of the show, she <laughs> locks them up underground where no one can see them in the books I as know. well, where they don't have to worry about how much CGI dragons cost. <laughs> but so, like, how powerful these dragons are is super weirdly inconsistent to me. Like, sometimes... They can decimate a whole city on their own. And then sometimes it seems like if you just like one really good spear throw will fuck these dragons up. Like I, it was really odd to me. Like how much of a threat are they or how hard to kill are they? It was just all based on the plot. Like if the plot needed the dragons to be invincible, they are invincible. And if the plot needed Euron to like one shot them, then he one shot at them, you know? Yeah. So yeah, the biggest problem there was in the, third episode from the end, so I guess the fourth episode, mm-hmm. Euron taking down Rhaegal with, like, three super accurate crossbow bolts within, like, ten seconds of each other when those things are supposed to be super hard to load from a boat that's, like, floating in water was fucking ridiculous. Yeah. It didn't even, like, happen in slow motion or no. anything. No, and, and, like... and that is what's inconsistent. Dragons are very hard to kill and very powerful. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the equivalent of having, like, nuclear weapons on her side. Like, Danny has three nukes that don't that like replenish themselves like it's not even like she has three missiles and she launches one and then it's gone she has at one point with the dragons like three replenishing nuclear missiles at her disposal that yeah. are very not invulnerable they can be killed um there you know there's history stuff about you know lucky shots and things like that but for the most part they're they're pretty fucking strong because there was like some big fight in a 
in a stadium or something, right? Where the dragon got speared a bunch. Yeah, the, when she when he when Drogon rescued her from the fighting pits in Marine. Because he seemed like really ineffective. Well, he was younger too. then too. Like they're uh, still. He's pretty much full grown by the end of of the show. Yeah. So why does he? So he doesn't kill Jon Snow. He melts the throne and then he takes Daenerys' corpse and flies because, away. So what is that? Well, about? because I I got this one. It's well known in throughout all of Westeros and even Essos that the thing dragons love the most is symbolism. And oh. they'll never miss an opportunity to have like a very uh, intense metaphor presented to people. And yeah. so they needed to... Sh- so it was like, I need to show that the the throne is no longer there. The wheel has been broken. I have melted mm-hmm. the iron throne and there will no longer be a king to sit upon it. Although there totally will be. <laughs> it won't be the Iron Throne, though. It'll be a It'll different just... throne that the king will sit on and rule in much the same fashion. Austin, yeah. why'd the dragon yeah. melt the uh, throne? Well, okay, so either the <laughs> dragon is very dumb and came into the room and saw Danny with a knife in her heart and was like, uh-huh. Mom died from stabby thing. Me melt thing full of stabby things. Yeah, that makes sense. Or the dragon is super smart, as David uh-huh. suggested, and is like, Mom died because of her all-consuming quest for power represented in that metal throne. I am going to melt it and thus destroy its all-consuming corruptive powers. Uh... To be fair to this show, the probably the part that tugged at my heartstrings the most, that I almost got a little emotional during this episode, was when the dragon came in on Danny and was really sad. I felt bad for the dragon. Yeah, when he kind of mm-hmm. like nuzzles her like, Mom, yes. Mom, wake up, Mom. Mm-hmm. And that she doesn't hard. wake up. <laughs> yeah, the, the melting of the throne is very Tolkien. The, this is, the idea is, and this is why I'm like, I'm 100% sure this will be in the books if... Ger Martin ever gets around to writing the last one. Um, the the throne is the ring of power from the Lord of Rings, and it's okay. it's being melted in fire and reduced to nothingness after corrupting everybody that sought mm. it the same yeah. way that the that the ring melts. Oh, okay. There we go. But the dragon, there's no like understanding what the dragon's No, I, I think the idea is just supposed to be he's pissed <laughs> off and he's venting. And, and then, it, you know, we had we had the scene where where the dragon shakes off the snow when John's walking up and kind mm-hmm. of sniffs at John and lets him pass. Mm-hmm. And I think aside from being a cool shot, I think what that was supposed to establish is that he recognizes John as a friend, as a Targaryen, not a threat. And so that's why he's not like burning out John at this point. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Although yeah. I feel like Jon Snow should have got the fuck out of there, though. He was very, oh, totally. Like, like stab her and run, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I thought for a second he was going to take out the dragon, like, when it was sizing him up. I thought he was just going to be like, oh! <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, and then where does he go, the dragon? He flies away. East. He flies to the east, where he came does from. Does it mean anything, or is it just like, nah, he just took off. There's a dragon in the world still. Like, it's kind of an open Well, the, thing. the the east is where dragons came from. Okay. Um from from old valeria which no longer exists because it was destroyed by a bunch of volcanoes um and but that's you know all of the sort of mysterious magic of the world and whatnot comes from the east um so the idea is just he's more or less kind of going home Hmm. so passage of time i think we all know is best symbolized 
by the growing of beards. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit later, uh, Peter Dinklage's beard has really picked up. And uh, so it's a bunch of like lords are gathered. Is that? Yes, these are the last remaining lords and ladies of the great houses that basically everybody that's left standing after like the various wars and shit that have besieged the land throughout the course of this show. I have a question. Yeah. A real, a real question. Are some of these, we've never seen these characters before. Yes. Some, some we have seen before and some we have not seen before. Uh, Just never, ever. We've but never but seen you them. can interpret who everyone is. Most like, of them We've are, never yeah. seen the new Prince of Dorne, but we know he's the Prince of Dorne. Right, because okay. he's dressed similarly to the old Prince of Dorne. But were there some people that you were just like, I don't know what the fuck their deal is? Yes, there are at least two in that group that I... One that there are some suspicions about who it is, and one that I have no idea who it is. Okay. Yeah, I just didn't know. I was like, uh, I'm, I'm bad at this on this show, but I was like, ah, this could just be a bunch of extras. I have no idea. But and, of course, there was a water bottle in this scene. <laughs> we can't. Yeah. So that was the most interesting thing all season was that there was a Starbucks. Yeah, though this, this water bottle is significantly more... Uh, hidden than the Starbucks, than that. That's not even Starbucks cup. Than the coffee cup was. Are you defending the water bottle? I, I'm less defending the water bottle, and I'm more subtly mocking the internet's obsession with the water bottle. Yeah, it is pretty like, funny. The coffee cup was hilarious. <laughs> the water bottle is is like you really got to zoom the fuck in, and it's partially obscured by Sam's leg, so it's not like it's as obvious as the coffee cup was. I it, that it happened again though is pretty. <laughs> it is pretty funny that it happened a second time. So like, Grey Worm is bringing. Tyrion to these like lords to like negotiate with them and it yes. seems very weird for Grey Worm to suddenly like respect Westerosi politics and like Geneva conventions and stuff like why didn't he just off Jon Snow right away that seemed to be like his mood at the time it does seem odd that he d- that upon finding out what Jon did he didn't just kill Jon yeah, that he gets imprisoned. The the idea that there's a line here about how there's like a northern army surrounding the city. Yeah, and so so the idea is that that's what's bringing him to the table. That's what's forcing him to like, I've got to go along with this group and play by their rules, mm-hmm. or else I'm going to get pulled into another fight and all that kind of stuff. That I'm okay with. It is not terribly clear. Even Tyrion to like have left, you know, he's in a jail cell, whatever. I don't fucking care. Uh, but for Grey Worm not to just be like, you killed my queen and just stab him. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. I don't have a good explanation for why <laughs> Grey Worm would have kept John a prisoner up to this point. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. Is, <laughs> uh, we'll just, let's just get to the end. <laughs> so everybody's like, uh, what are we going to do? There's, they're like, who's going to be the king? And then this was some really bad com- comedy relief. <laughs> <laughs> Where, have we seen that guy before? Yes. And is he always like a dipshit or? Uh, he's a nerd. He's a smart guy. He's like the okay. only person in the, in the group that like knows shit. Because he's like, well, you know, I should be the king. And Sansa's like, shut the fuck up. 
And then it takes him like two and a half minutes to sit down, and it's we're supposed to be laughing. Wait, are you talking about Edmir or are you talking about Sam? He's talking about Edmir. Okay, so Edmir, different guy, not smart. Um, we oh, have yeah. seen Edmir before. Why he is Sam is. Why, why, why would you think Ryan didn't know who Sam was? <laughs> well, I thought he was talking about Sam's democracy joke. Um, no, yeah, but that's later. Sam's I was very like, confused when Ryan was like, "Have we seen this guy before?" But like, it's Sam. He's a big deal. How do you not know who he is? <laughs> Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> uh, very yeah. Uh, to to John Snow's Frodo. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, Edmir Tully is Sansa's uncle, her mother's brother. He was the guy who got married at the Red Wedding. Oh, okay. And then got thrown in jail and then got used as a hostage for a while. So that's... But when... The joke is supposed to be that he's like, like I could be the king. It's like, shut the fuck up, dude. Yeah, it just wasn't very funny or well done. Oh, I thought it was then. hilarious. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Awesome's oh, okay. an easy mark, though. He likes seeing he likes seeing people be mean to other people. I like people see people be mean to people who are dicks and uh <laughs> He's never done anything to be a dick. He just got captured. What what makes Yeah, but <laughs> he was always kind of hapless, I guess. What makes you think what what did he do that make you think he wouldn't be a good leader. I mean, he got thrown in prison but never executed, so that helps, right? Mm. He has some form of persuasion. Well, he was kept alive as a hostage because that was how the Freys were holding River Run. I don't think he had anything to do with keeping himself alive. You don't know he didn't, though. I guess Well, not. maybe you should have let him speak, then, instead of just <laughs> shouting him down. <laughs> there was a lot of stuff before he got captured about why Edmure was a douche nozzle. Okay. If you go yeah, back and just... watch it. I was just like, just get on with it, man. And he like tries to sit, and he like hits his sword. And you're—it was just one of those things where I can like tell that they're leaving room for me to be laughing, and I'm not laughing. I'm like, uh, um, a lot of dead air to me at that moment. And then Samwise Gamgee is like, yeah, what if we have a democracy? And everyone's like, get the fuck out! It's like, <laughs> what? Are you going to give my horse a vote? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, let the peasants vote. And then we're supposed to be still be like caring about these people's opinions who are obviously just very elitist. But all right, I thought it was fit the world. But, I mean, know? I was gonna say like that's always been true. I mean, with all of the vast majority of characters that we've watched in this show have been upper class people of means who either willfully or ignorantly don't give two shits about the small folk. Yeah, indeed. I mean, that's just, that's, I mean, to me, this isn't a failing of the finale. That's just the circumstance of the show that the vast majority of the characters are, are, are operating from a place of privilege. And you, and, and you don't expect any character growth to maybe they could recognize their privilege, right? Correct. All right. No, of course, come on, David. Of course that's. (laughs) (sighs) All right. Keep going, Ryan. So then Peter Dinklage is like, ah, I think the king should be uh, Bran. <laughs> what, what the fuck? Why not? Yeah. Uh, he, yeah. Uh, he says the greatest thing in like 
the greatest power is stories, apparently. So obviously, authors are the greatest weapon in the world, or something to that. Can't effect. can't really argue with that interpretation. <laughs> I think that's a hundred percent on board, and I wholeheartedly endorse it. And, and do you endorse the idea that Bran has the best story of everybody? Uh, no, Bran probably has the least interesting story <laughs> of everyone in that meeting. Uh, if nothing else, by evidence of the fact that this particular story we just got done watching was like, we don't even need to show Bran's story for a whole season. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, not buying that particular argument. Well, I th- does it mean, though, that because he holds all the stories, isn't that what they well, mean? So Tyrion makes an argument that's not terrible. Uh, I forget if it's before the story thing or after the story thing, where he's basically like, If we're going to do this whole elected monarch thing where, yes, the privileged upper class lords and ladies who aren't the small folk and haven't experienced any character growth over the course of the series are going to pick the monarch, then it would probably be good for that monarch to be someone who's not going to father children right off the bat, because then we don't have to worry about an immediate backslide into a hereditary monarchy. And also it would be good for it to be Bran because he has all of these magic powers where he is our memory and he knows all of our stories and he knows all the mistakes that we've made so he can help guide us in the future. And you're like, okay, that's a not terrible argument for why we mm-hmm. should elect Bran. Like everything in this season, it could use a little bit more room to breathe and to mm-hmm. explore further, but that's not terrible. But then this idea of like, and also he has the best story and you're like, yeah, not really. Well, that's to me the thing about it, because as a decision, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, like I wouldn't have thought of that. And there's a logic to it. Like that character actually seems capable and you've never really had him in your mind is who will end up being but it also, I was like, they should get a do-over of the whole series. Like, they, this was character was really neglected as a yeah. character throughout the series, I thought. Well, he, he was. Like, once he became the three-eyed raven, he was very much, like, aloof and not concerned with, like, mortal coils and, like, he knows yeah. more and, like... All that leads me to believe he's not a good leader. Like, he doesn't have empathy for people. He doesn't, like, want what's best. Because he seems so much beyond, like, people's emotions. Like, worrying about, like, people's emotions or, you know, leading people or anything. He just, like, knows what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, it's not even even clear if he does know what's going to happen. Because that's one of the problems with this character is that they've not done a good job of exploring what his powers mean and like we know he can go into the past and see things and they seem to suggest he has some limited knowledge of the future but they've never really come right out and been like oh yeah this guy knows everything that's going to happen Hmm. so and i mean maybe we just shouldn't get into it but i just don't really even remember it was like he was fleeing and then he was like inside of a tree and he got some mind powers or something Yes. Well, he's always had mind powers. He was he escaped from Winterfell when Theon sacked it and mm-hmm. took the castle. And so they got him out. And so then he was going north to 
further explore his like magical sightseeing abilities. Mm. And then that eventually led him to live in a tree for a while where he learned how to use his powers to see the past and things like that. And then eventually he became the new Three-Eyed Raven with the full knowledge and memory of Westeros when that all got downloaded into him by the existing Three-Eyed Raven who did that on his deathbed, basically. So then Bran is like, my first decree as king is don't call me Bran the Broken. (laughs) What's wrong with you? (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Well, first they have to have a vote on who, on if he becomes king. Oh yeah, and everyone says yeah except his sister, who yeah. pulls what I've what I've seen referred to online as a Winterfellix. <laughs> what? <laughs> instead of instead of a Brexit, it's a Winterfexit. Wow, that's a real. Yeah, you might want to workshop that <laughs> one a little bit. <laughs> Which then, well, she does that. She's like, we're going to remain independent. And I'm like, why didn't all the other lords be like, oh, we can do that? Let's let, yeah. We're- <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I, sh- I wish she'd voted first. Yeah. <laughs> I said I already. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and whatever. So, was the North always independent? Uh, it was independent for a long time until Aegon's conquest when the Seven Kingdoms were formed. And so that's Sansa's, and then it was independent. It became independent when it rebelled during at the very end of season one, after they killed Ned, and they were basically like, "Well, fuck that. We're just going to have Rob be the king in the north." And so, technically, from that point forward, it was an independent kingdom again. And so, Sansa's just trying to bring it back to the glory days of when it was independent. Even though the king they chose would be, like, the one king they'd all decide to go behind. Would bend a knee to if he was in the north anyways, so I don't know why. Right. And also, despite the fact that other other realms represented at that council also have a, a stronger-than-others history of independence that probably would have liked it as well. And it's just it's another case where, like, I could see how this goes down in the books in a way that makes a lot more sense where they get to have like multiple chapters for multiple points of views where there's lots of like politicking going on and deals being made. And like, well, if you stay in the realm, we'll let you do this and that. And if you support Sansa's claim for independence, you'll get to do X and all that kind of stuff. And the show just doesn't have the time to really develop this idea at all. So, but how do you guys, is it satisfying to you like that, that, that we've been vying for this throne the whole time and Bran is it, the winner? It felt yeah. a little to me like when it turned out Maggie shot Mr. Burns. Where I was like, <laughs> oh, I guess that's an it. Like, it's it's a way to like, go. I don't like know. It doesn't, it doesn't not work, but yeah. I'm not exactly excited about it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, I like... Uh, I guess for me, I like that it didn't end with John or Danny on the throne. I I like that it, um, it, David and I can and have quibbled over the extent to which this represents a break from established government in Westeros. But for me, it is a, the idea of a elected monarch is a break from the tradition. And I'm satisfied by that. Um, that it's Bran versus anyone else being elected, I'm fairly indifferent to, I guess. It's tough, and some of it's like, you say, oh, well, what other choice did they have? But then that assumes that they didn't have choices leading up to this moment. 
But, like, if you just drop me right into, like, this final, final-ish scene and said who should be the ruler of Westeros, I mean, I'm not sure who to go. I mean, you guess you could have gone with Sansa's, like, ruling yeah. everybody, but I'm not sure who the greatest choice would be in that moment now that the writers have written themselves into that corner. Yeah. And it's interesting because this does... This does feel very Gur Martin. This feels like something he told them he was planning on doing with the advantage of it working a lot better in a book than in the way the show has been constructed for the last couple of seasons, which is interesting only because the showrunners have clearly deviated from his story in other places. And you kind of feel like, why wouldn't they have deviated here when it, when they couldn't really make it work. But I guess that means they would have to be self-aware enough to know that it wasn't working. And they'd probably convince themselves that it did. I don't know. I mean, this could have been all the writer's idea. It it could have been. It, It fits like once you know that it's happening, it, it fits with a lot of what, we've seen from Bran in the books and it fits with a lot of what George R. R. Martin has said about certain characters and the end game and things like that. Like Danny going bad, burning the city, being killed by John, John going into exile and Bran being some form of ruler that I, I would be very surprised if those broad strokes aren't what comes out in the books if he ever gets around to finishing them. I think the I think the mechanics will be different, the like circumstances that lead to those beats, and I think the execution of it will be significantly better, but I'd be really surprised if on a plot just pure plot level that isn't what happens. Unless, as David says, he does legitimately just like <laughs> work, workshop this is like, alright boys, just crumples up his paper and yeah. is like back to square one. Yeah, I the the failing of the show was A, they didn't we didn't spend enough time with Bran and make it interesting, <laughs> I guess. Right. Whereas in the books we do spend yeah. a lot of time with Bran, and because it's the books and Bran is such an interior character where like a lot of what happens to him and a lot of what we learn about comes from like his dreams and his visions and the show never really figured out a good way to do that. It mm. it would work a lot better in a, in the book than it than it does here. And I guess the other part to that and the books having gotten to that part as far as I know right. of him being Correct. a three-eyed raven is part of in my opinion being good leaders connecting with people and inspiring them and we see no evidence that he has any capabilities of that, and that's very true. Yeah, and that's one of those things where, like, uh, I don't know that this whole, like, the decision to play Three-Eyed Raven Bran as, like, an emotionless robot <laughs> could very well be a creation of the show. Like, that's yeah. a that's a small enough detail, and that's down to, like, specific directorial choices that I wouldn't be at all surprised if it's presented very differently in the books when he gets there. Uh, what's your opinion on it, right? I don't know. I didn't see it coming, and then there seemed to be a logic to it. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, I liked that it was unexpected. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I basically that I felt like that character was always underdeveloped. Mm-hmm. And so part of why I didn't see it coming was because <laughs> right? like- I paid that character no mind, you know? <laughs> But it made sense to him as this all-knowing, you know, being or whatever. Like, it was like, oh, I guess that would, could make you a good king. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. There was a, kind of a part where Kyrian seems to think that's why the people would follow him, but I'm not sure the people yeah. even know what the Three-Eyed Raven is. To like, Well, again, I feel like he knows it's going to happen, but he's detached from it. Like, he could just be like, yeah. oh, half our people are going to die of famine next year. <laughs> and like, what should we do? He's like, no, that's just what happens. Yeah. You I mean, know, emo- all emotionless. Yeah, it's like, does he have a choice in the matter? Like, could he have stopped King's Landing from well, burning so right. to the ground. I don't. I don't think he can see the future. I'd have. Oh, okay. I'd have to go back and watch the show, but I don't know that they ever established that he can see the future. I think. Oh, okay. I think the idea is just supposed to be he can see the past, like he knows what happened in the past, and he can see the present because he can like warg into birds and the tree, the face trees, and so he can like see things that are happening. And in the books, it's it's much more like defined and limited in that. The three-eyed raven only knows the things that happened where those trees with faces on them were present. That mm. that that's basically kind of like a an internet of sorts that uh. that he can tap into. So like, if something happened in a stone room in a basement, he he doesn't know about it unless he like uh. overhears somebody talking about it in front of one of those trees or something like that. The show has <laughs> brands like visions of the past be a lot more like wide ranging and whatnot, mostly just because that's a specificity that the average audience member isn't going to care about. Uh, but I don't think the show established that he could see the future. All right. Well, whatever it's, it is what it is. So, and then Tyrion is the hand, which <laughs> talk about failing upwards. <laughs> I mean, despite failing yeah. time and time again, Bran's like, "But that's why you're be great at this job is that you failed so many times." Like, I yeah. guess for sure. He he was a good hand, like for one stint, and that mm-hmm. was about it. He had a good run. <laughs> so, and then John is getting sent to the wall. And- yeah. I've been pretty negative, as you've heard, this entire episode. But I will say I did like that Jon Snow ended up at the uh, Night's Watch again. I thought yeah. that was, I don't know, interesting. The symmetry of it, of him like going on this like grand adventure to pretty much just go back to where he started, just... I mean, it's kind of tragic in a way, but it's still I, I like it's it. it's that it's again, this is where John is Frodo and mm-hmm. and we're channeling Lord of the Rings where like Frodo helps destroy the ring, but doesn't get to live in the world that he helped build as he goes off to the whatchamajiggered elf heaven at the yeah. end of Lord of the Rings. This is the same kind of idea where like John has helped create this new world, but is exiled from it and has to go back to the wall. So he says bye to his siblings and a big sentimental thing that yeah. I just had no emotional energy <laughs> for. Uh, Austin, do you know, are they going to do an Arya spinoff? Or is that I true? have I have no idea. There's like five different spinoffs this yeah. sets up that they could possibly do. The only thing I know for sure that they're doing is the like super set in the past, like thousands of years in the past, the first long night uh that series is the is the is I believe at this point the only thing that has been picked up, put to pilot, started filming, being worked on. There's some talk it might even be out next year. Oh. Um, everything everything else is still in the like maybe it'll happen development phase. I'd be I have to be honest. I would end up watching a, a TV series about Arya sailing the 
seven seas, you know? And, yeah, I mean, this for me, this is where like I'm. I like this world enough that I would at least start watching anything that they set in it. It's kind of like Star Wars in that regard. It's like, mm. you know, there may be certain premises or certain characters that I'm more interested in than others, but just the setting itself and the world that's been built, I'm interested in enough to at least check it out. I'm fucking done. <laughs> um, I, you know, Arya for probably overall was my favorite character. Mm-hmm. Arya certainly feels like the one that that had the most complete arc, and just was she's just very interesting. Yeah, I thought. Oh, yeah. like totally. her her actions and motivations, and that she's tough and stuff. I gotta say, I don't like myself for feeling this way, but that actress looks like she's twelve still. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's where her like sex scene kind of felt awkward. When... It was really uncomfortable. <laughs> how old is she supposed she's, to be at this point? Well, I don't know how old the character is supposed to be, but she's like 24 or 25 now. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. And they really seem to emphasize how small she is a lot. Mm-hmm. And it just... I... I just never saw that character because she was really young when it started, right? Yeah, I think she was like 12 when she was cast. Mm-hmm. And it just... Now, to me, seemed like that character never really aged, you know? Like, she still was, like, 12, 13 years old. Yeah, no, she's, I mean, 18, 19, I think, in the show. Okay. It's supposed to be the idea. I, I mean, every, it's weird, because in the books, everybody's, like, super way younger than they are in the show. Mm. It just <laughs> threw me way off. I don't know. Like, I thought the actress did a great job. Like, mm-hmm. I... I, I think I, I'm the problem. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was a little weird. Like, there are people on the internet, apparently, who was like who were, like, really upset by her, like, sex scene. And I, I just felt it was, like, weird. But I also understood that it's no worse than what we've seen prior to it. I thought it made sense for the character. Yeah. And I liked how afterwards she was like, sorry, I'm a loner. <laughs> I'm a rebel. <laughs> um, yeah. but hump them and dump them. That's Arya's MO. Because <laughs> if I looked at the actress and she looked like she was in her 20s, I wouldn't. it wouldn't have seemed weird at all to me. But yeah. that actress just looks very young. So And she looked the just, same age as she did. Like She looks very similar to like the first season, too. So it feels like she right. has an age. Yes. So it's that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like that character. So she's just heading west. She's just going like, to yeah. see what's out there. Yeah, which is which is a callback to an exchange she had in season five or six when she was hanging out with that actress that she was supposed to kill. And they were talking about, like, what's west of Westeros? And nobody knows. Mm. And Ari talked about how she'd like to find out someday. Mm. I feel like that means there's a lot of people who lack curiosity in Westeros. Yeah, uh, there's a whole there's a whole like uh, thought process within the Saga of Ice and Fire fandom about like the relative like societal stagnation of Westeros and why that is and all that kind of, of course, stuff. Of course, there's part of me that's like, what if she just ends up at Essos? You know, <laughs> like, like, just loops, just like loops, just like loops around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's some evidence like, from like other stories and things that he's written that. You would eventually end up in Essos, but that there's a lot of weird shit in between. Yeah, yeah. She, uh, she, she's the one that discovers that the Earth is not flat. <laughs> she's like, oh, it goes in a circle. Yeah. Um, 
or yeah, she goes and she's, she finds like uh, modern China. She's like, whoa, she's off to find <laughs> America. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it was interesting though. I don't know. I was cool with that. Yeah, yeah, I was fine with that. I was I was fine with Jon Snow ended up in the Night's Watch again. And Sansa is the Queen of the North. That's cool, right? Yeah, I thought the whole like the ending montage of like the three of them doing their thing and and whatnot. That all worked pretty well. Like I said, I think I said that, like that. I don't necessarily agree with how they got everybody where they ended up, but where everyone ended up felt pretty satisfying. Except for Daenerys, for me. But uh, yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. It's in the past now. <laughs> so before we get to the final montage, uh, Captain Phasma busts out <laughs> this, the big book. <laughs> <laughs> and what is this like the record of all the royal families uh, this what? is the white book which is the chronicle of the king's guard so each we, each lord commander of the king's guard is responsible for recording the exploits of the king's guard in the white book oh uh, okay and we've seen it before we? uh yeah i think we saw it briefly uh like season four ish after jamie got back from his hand losing road trip with brienne uh he he looks at it and like there's a, a discussion about how he hasn't done anything worthy of it or something like that. Mm. Very well. And then I liked how she was like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him a, a a Wikipedia entry in this book." And then she's like, she writes, uh, "Ate my pussy." <laughs> <laughs> we have no confirmation whether Oral was involved in there. <laughs> It's in the book. <laughs> it's recorded for all time. It actually said licked my pussy and my crap. David oh, Brienne wow. is she is Don't a lady me. of honor. Would she write it in the book if it wasn't true? <laughs> oh man, it was like uh I don't know. I thought that that character really was underserved at the end of this too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh well. Let's I mean, again, on. like I'm fine. Like her as the as the head of the King's Guard. That's uh, that's an appropriate ending for her and all that. I just would have liked for there to be something more for her to do between getting dumped by Jamie and yeah. being there. It seemed like yeah. her ending was very much just defined by the man she was with. You know, that right? Yeah, it was weak, yeah. which was like totally went against that whole character's yeah. whole thing. So then, sometime later, uh, Peter Dinklage. What was the whole thing where he's like straightening the chairs at the table? Like that was another like I was like, is this levity? Like what is? It's is that yeah, a- it was supposed to be levity that that he's like trying to get everything just right for his first meeting, small council meeting, and then everybody comes in and just like pulls the chairs around and does what they want to do and like blows up his uh, shit. D- I was just like, isn't doesn't he have like servants or something like? They all burned now, to death. Now who's elitist? They all burned to death. <laughs> I guess they did. It just seemed to me like everything's so immaculate throughout this whole series, you yeah. know? I was like, this is like the most powerful guy in the world now. Like, you think, get someone in to straighten up the chairs for him. I don't know. It seemed weird to me. Well, we never really saw that before. The small council meetings are pretty much what we saw here. So then um, there's a meta thing where it's all book called there and back again (laughs) (laughs) another again another tolkien hat tip to the book within the book 
Did they do that in the book of the Lord of the Rings? Oh, yeah. Or is it just in the... They do? Oh, yeah. That it's yeah, all yeah. Frodo wrote it? That both The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings are books within the universe that were written by the Hobbits, yeah. Okay. Um, and who wrote this book? Uh, Jim Broadbent, whom we saw in season six and a little bit in season seven, who is the archmaster of the Citadel, like the, the chief maester of them all. So is that satisfying? <laughs> it was a winking gag. I mean, it was when they, in, they they talked about when Sam was at the Citadel in that season, he was like, oh, what are you working on? And he's like, oh, it's a book uh, called the, you know, Reign of King Robert the First and the Wars that Followed His Death or something like that. And Sam's like, oh, you could probably use a better title. And everyone was like, the title should be A Song of Ice and Fire. Mm. And then this is paying that off. Gotcha. Oh, all right. Well, and then there's a joke that Tyrion isn't mentioned at all in it, and Tyrion's like sad about that. But I'm not sure how it's possible for him not to be mentioned in this in the story of what happened after King Baratheon. Yeah, like there's you couldn't write the history of the wars that followed Robert Baratheon's rule without mentioning Tyrion, who was the hand of the king and the hand of the queen that burned the city to the ground and killed arguably the most powerful man in the kingdom, and yeah, it just doesn't it, trial it, it, that caused a war with Dorne. Right, yeah, it's a, it's a a gag that just doesn't make sense within the context of the universe. Yeah. So these council members, is that satisfying? Who is all running the well, shit? It's like Bronn is the master of coin, but like, would he be the best master of coin? <laughs> well, is it, yeah, I, it's just I like, we wanted him to have a resolution. So I feel like, yeah, Bronn's presence. There is mostly a gag. I feel mm. like, cause Bron, most of what Bronn did was a gag at this point. Um, I mean, you could make the argument that he'd be a shitty master of coin because he would just run off with the money. But at the same time, he's like Lord of fucking high garden mm. and warden of the reach at this point. So like, if sure. Why not? Really he's good honor, with, you know, I mean, he's good with money. Cause he's like, you know, shifty. This is like putting the, the, um, you, know, you put a, a, a crook in charge of other crooks kind of a thing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't really care enough to debate the, whether that made sense or not. Yeah, so they're just like working out a new uh, world order, basically, right? Yeah, like, so so Braun is master of coin. Davos is master of ships, which is fine, though I really hope he went home and visited his wife finally. <laughs> um, and then Brienne is lord commander of the Kingsguard. I think that's all we saw. Well, Tyrion, Sam obviously. is Archmaster. Oh, and Sam. Yeah, Sam is the Archmaster. Which seems a little weird, because doesn't he have, like, isn't he, like, a lord now of, like, whatever that house well, is? Well, I don't know that that was ever established. Like, he was, like, the only surviving male or that. Yeah, but he had renounced his claim when he joined the Night's Watch, and obviously, like, Danny or even Bran could elevate him to that position again. But obviously, since he's the arch, since he's a Grand Maester, he wasn't elevated mm. by Bran, and I don't know. It, yeah, and I guess I also say that because he was part of that council that chose Bran as right. Seems uh, a little bit of well, this whole small council is a little nepotistic. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Well, whatever. So I I hope that they get it, and then they go. they leave open the positions of master of war and master of whisperers so that 
fans on the internet can argue about who they think would be the best candidates for that job. Mm-hmm. Although you feel like Bran with his like all seeing powers would be the best master of whispers anyway. And so what does he even need one for? So those are all like established, like the master of coin and shit. Those have all been established positions for a long time. Correct. All right. I'll take your word for it. Um, so then that's it, right? Then we well, just no. got a montage. Well, Brand comes characters. in to the small council and then he just asks uh, where uh, Drogon is, right? Yeah. And then they're like, we don't know. He's like, well, I'll keep looking for it. And so then I feel like his entire like reign is just going to be him searching for Drogon and not caring about anything else. <laughs> I think he's going to like build a huge dome to keep Drogon out and it's going to like bankrupt the city and that'll be what happens. <laughs> just get obsessed. Well, with does it. he want to keep Drogon out or does he want Drogon for like himself? I don't know. Whatever. I think it's more I think it's more of just like there's a nuclear weapon in the field and we probably need to know where it's at right now. I think he wants to know why he melted the throne. (laughs) These creatures are obviously intelligent and capable of understanding symbolism. We need. We need. Was it aware that that it was a metaphor? (laughs) I don't know. It's. I couldn't understand his motivations. So yeah. So Sansa's a queen, and she's like everyone's bowing to her, and uh, John gets his wolf back. I don't know what that was ever. That was another thing where I was like, were they ever going to do anything with this? I don't know what it's about. <laughs> the dire wolves really feel like a checkoff gun that never went off. They never did anything, right? Not really. Yeah, they did some stuff. Like, yeah, they did nothing say, significant. Yeah, I know. I, that's why I said not really. I understand yeah. there was a few times Ghost, like, saved John's life, I think, at one point. But. Yeah. Oh, is that right? And ditto, ditto Summer and Bran and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I would have liked it if the end was him and he was riding a sled pulled by the wolf. Well, so my first question is, what's the point of the Night's Watch now? Is it? Um, well, okay, so <laughs> there's the line of dialogue where Tyrion talks about how, like, the realm will always have a need for somewhere to put, uh, like, bastards and broken things. Yeah. Which, which was the line from, like, early in season one yeah, and yeah, the title yeah, of an episode. Yeah. It's like fine, that's whatever. But like, so when the night, so the Night's Watch was formed after the Long Winter, when the first men teamed up with the Children of the Forest to beat back the White Walkers, and basically like defeated them at that time. And so then they were like, well, we're gonna create the Night's Watch. We're gonna build this wall, and we're gonna create an order whose job is to watch out for the white walkers to make sure they never come back and to guard the realm if they do come back. So I think the idea is supposed to be like, yeah, we defeated the night King, but we defeated him before. We don't fucking know if he won't come back again at some point. We don't know how any of this shit works. So we need to have a night's watch to continue keeping watch over the North in case these ice zombies fire up again. Although John's, it seemed like Jon Snow just decided to go, further north and not hang out at Castle yeah, Black that's, or whatever. I, I was not clear on the ending if the idea was like, oh, John is leading the you know, the free folk back into the north mm-hmm. as part of like his job as being with the Night's Watch, or if he was just like, Peace out, y'all, I'm going north <laughs> with the free folk. Yeah, <laughs> Which feels like a punishment then I but then you're like, I don't know if the furnishings of the far north are any worse than like Winterfell or anything. Yeah, no, I, I mean I don't think it's 
some may view it as a punishment, but I don't think it's a punishment at all for John. Like the yeah. idiot's supposed to, you know, he, he never felt more comfortable and at peace with himself than when he was hanging out with the free folk up North. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, where were they going? Yeah. Just it, back into the North where they came from. Back from whence they came. Yeah. yeah. The, the end. Which- and, the, and there's, there's the parallel of, when John looks over his shoulder and the gate is going down back to the castle, the very first shot of the show was the gate raising up when the three Night's Watch people went out and first encountered the White Walkers in the prologue of the first episode. So it's all, you know, bookended and whatnot. And, and like, very, Tormund is very respectful to Jon Snow. And so in my mind, it's believable that he kind of becomes like their leader. Yeah, John, you mean? Yeah, which would then mean, like, all the Stark kids rule, like, all of Westeros, just in three different sections. Yeah, like, John's got the super far north. Yeah. Sansa's got, like, the north, and then Bran's got everything else. Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess, and then Arya rules the seas now. So, <laughs> yeah. Arya Stark, pirate queen. Yeah. I think the this show boils down to, it's good to be a Stark kid if your name doesn't start with R. Yeah, pretty much. So there we go. Well, that's the Once Upon a Time, the title of the last book, which is now called A Dream of Spring, was called A Time for Wolves. Oh, yeah. Which is which just also points to the whole, like, uh, you yeah. know, the remaining Starks all get a happy ending because it's the time for wolves. Mm-hmm. Who are the R-named Starks? Rob and Rob. Rickon. Yeah. I don't even remember. <laughs> Rob, so Rob was the king in the north who got killed at the Red Wedding, and Rickon uh, okay. was the youngest one who did nothing except be the youngest one, <laughs> not learn how to run Serpentine, and got yeah. killed by arrows by Ramsay at the Battle of the Bastards. Mm-hmm. I don't have any... Prompting Jon Snow to get mad and charge into battle, <laughs> even though that's exactly what he was told not to do. <laughs> Thereby cementing his reputation as one of the greatest generals in Westeros. <laughs> So, how'd you guys like this ending? Austin, you can go. Anyway. <laughs> it, was f- it was fine. I mean, like, I, I'm having... I've talked to David a little bit about this. Like, I've had a hard time getting too worked up one way. I didn't love it. I didn't hate mm-hmm. it. It was fine. I was... I was happy to know, like, how things ended. I didn't... Like I said, I, I'm fine with where everybody ended up at, at the very end. I don't think they executed it very well, but most of the problems that I have with the show at this point weren't going to be addressed or were fixable in a final episode anyway, so... Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of on the same level as Austin. It was, like, going in there, like, I I don't have to repeat, you know, hated the previous episode, and I knew they weren't going to just, like, pretend like that didn't happen or anything. (laughs) Right. So I knew going in there's going to be a portion of this episode that's going to be dealing with stuff that I didn't like in the first place, and I'm just not going to like it, and that's the whole Jon Snow and Daenerys part. And so, like, basically, you know, roughly, like, the first half I didn't like, and I knew I wasn't going to like it. But then the second half, which was more of just the epilogue of, like, where everyone ends up, was fine enough. Like, I can, I have quibbles, and, you know, Bran as king still feels a little weird to me, but I don't know if it's the worst choice they could have gone with. And they kind of wrapped people's stories up for the most part. I didn't love every uh, bookend and that, so, so to speak, but it was fine enough for a final episode, you know. I mean, I did... 
muse, and maybe Austin, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't wasn't some of the impetus to writing this series for George R. R. Martin was like he'd re- read Lord of the Rings and it ends with like Aragorn taking the throne and then he's like, but what happens after that? Like, how do you rule? How do you be a king? And he wanted to write about that. Uh, yeah, so he gave an interview a few years ago. I mean, it may have even been longer than that, mm-hmm. where he basically talked about like the influence of Tolkien on his writing growing up and like how much he loved it, but that he always thought about the idea of like Lord of the Rings has a very like classical medievalist outlook. If you have if a good man is king, then things are good, and if a bad man is king, then things are bad. But he's like Aragorn is a good man and he becomes king, but like what's Aragorn's tax policy? What is his approach to the orcs? You know, Sauron is dead, but we still have these like hideous goblin creatures running around. Does he carry out systematic genocide against them and kill all the little orc babies or does he reach out and have conciliation and that's the sort of that's the kind of stuff that he was interested in exploring within the context of a sort of high fantasy medieval skewed medieval reality kind of setting and so i feel like the like the fact that the king's landing ending is Tyrion and Davos and Brienne and Bronn sitting down and talking about like and Sam and talking about you know how are we going to get the sewers running we need to get the brothels back up and running so that we have commerce and can tax things and that's basically sort of the the wink at the what are Aragorn's tax policies comment Mm -hmm. I guess but I still feel like he just ended up in the same place that he started which is you have a new king and you don't even know how it's going to work out anymore and yeah totally and And part of it's like, well, I don't know how else you end a story in some way. Like, you could start going forward with that, but then when do you end a story? I don't know. But it's just kind of humorous to me that it's like, well, you still have the same problem that Lord of the Rings did in the end. Didn't this all get started because, like, the king got, like, gored by a pig? It depends on where you think it started i guess yeah, get, <laughs> all right, i don't remember there it, the the king who was king when the series started died three quarters of the way through the first season after being bo- gored by a pig <laughs> while hunting because he was drunk off of wine that had been poisoned by his steward who was cersei's cousin that she was sleeping with who had oh. him feed him this poisoned wine to make him sluggish and slow to react so that he could get killed by the hunting accident. Which which is a really elaborate way to kill him, but yeah. I don't even yeah. know that it was like a straight up like let's kill him so much yeah. as it was like let's just fuck with him and hope he dies kind of a thing. I would have liked it if Cersei and Daenerys had been gored by pigs. <laughs> <laughs> Everything comes full circle. Yeah, that's really how you wrap it up in a satisfying way. <laughs> or branded, like right out, like brands getting wheeled away, and then a pig comes in and gores him. Just comes and gores him, and they're like, what are we going to do now? Come on. So, yeah, I was just really glad I wasn't like a super fan. Like, if I had spent eight years being really interested and invested in this show, I feel like I would be a lot more have a lot more feelings but i was like whatever it was pretty weak i mean i think i've said my piece about just that it didn't carry through with sort of creating an ending that would feel different to different people you know it was pretty much there wasn't a lot to interpret or 
I don't know. Whatever. It's I, over. I will I will say as a super fan, I've I've struggled with this a little bit in terms of thinking back to the Lost finale. Cuz I was mm-hmm. like a hardcore super fan of Lost. Yeah. And that show's finale was fine. Like it's it's literal like final episode was not bad. I mean, it was probably a better episode than this, but it came at the end of a season that made it very clear that the show was no longer going to wrap up and address its many, many, many longstanding like mysteries and subplots that it had mm-hmm. left dangling and that anything that it was resolving, it was resolving in a very sort of like half-assed way that wasn't consistent with previous teases. And like, I loved lost, but just the thought of it, like fills me with rage now mm-hmm. <laughs> because it just like did not, did not hold together at the end. And how I met your mother is a similar reaction. Like, how I Met Your Mother did not have a great final season, and then its final episode basically made it so that I never want to watch a single episode ever again. Mm. And so I'm kind of like, this isn't a great ending, and this season wasn't a great final season, and so why am I not as filled with rage about this as I was about Lost when I would still consider myself like a super fan of this show? Maybe not as much as Lost, but pretty close. And I guess the two answers I've come up with is... I'm older now, and the world is a much shittier place, or I'm at least more aware of how shitty the world is. And I feel like I have so much anger for like real world stuff that it feels like mm. I don't have the energy to be pissed off about a TV show as much as I used to be. That's uh, a refreshing take, <laughs> right? But I also think part of it is just that there is still a there is still a Game of Thrones universe out there. Like, there's the mm-hmm. books, and they're similar but different, and there's theoretically maybe more books coming more shows and also this is a show that like the last two seasons were greatly accelerated and had some problems but this wasn't a show like built on mysteries and and things like that to where like yeah there's a few plot threads that got introduced but didn't get paid off ultimately but that's pretty standard for most tv shows that run for more than a couple of seasons and i can roll with that but like Lost was all about like these mysteries and they were all about telling the audience that those mysteries matter. We have a plan. We're going to answer it. And then yeah. you got to the end and they were like, ha ha fooled you. No, we don't. Mm-hmm. Well, so I never watched lost because I watched, well, I watched the first season and then I was like, I'm going to wait till the shit's over and get the scoop. And I was glad I did. I feel like it saved me a lot of, watching a show that would have bugged me. So I think I feel okay that I watched Game of Thrones, but it seems a little mediocre at the end. <laughs> so I read Laura Hudson's review of this finale. Oh, yeah. And at the end, she compares, like, watching a TV series as to, like, having a relationship with somebody. And Sounds like a real Laura Hudson <laughs> Fr- friend of Friend of the show, Laura Hudson. She yeah, was a guest on well, Saved by the Bell Review. Yeah, friend of an older show. Than that yeah, show. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, like, how, like, at the end of it, it, you know, a relationship can end badly or it can end well. But, I mean, if it ends badly, you can still look back on the relationship and decide, is this, was this a relationship worth having? Did I get more out of it than it took? Sure. And, like, the way I'm thinking of, like, because I have similar feelings as to Austin. And, like, with Lost, it's like being in a relationship where a lot of promises are made. And so a lot of your mm-hmm. enjoyment of the relationship is, like, looking to the future. 
And then that yeah. future never happens. And so now when you look back at it, you just see a bunch of broken promises. Whereas mm-hmm. with this one, it's not like they broke promises. Like it, it, it had a bad ending. It had a rough ending, but it's not like the entire journey felt worthless because mm-hmm. it wasn't just all a bunch of promises on what's going to happen in the future. It was certain things in the moment that were good, too. Yeah, like I, I have, uh, like, I don't know that I could ever go back and watch a lost episode and enjoy it because I feel like I'd just be reminded of like, Oh, this is a fun episode except for like those eight things they teased that went nowhere. Whereas like I could go, I could go back and watch, like I could imagine going back, like there's still good episodes of game of Thrones episodes that I really enjoyed and nothing that happened in this final episode or the final season or the last two seasons can take away from like some good stuff that happened in some of those episodes that I can still go back and enjoy. I feel like some of the Daenerys stuff would be tough to go back. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Well, I'll put it this way. Like I, I would like to go back and watch the show again and find out, like, I think some of that Daenerys stuff is going to read a lot differently (laughs) now and not necessarily Mm -hmm. for the better, Mm -hmm. but I'm at least like, I'm not so like disgusted by it that I can't even fathom the notion of revisiting this show again. Well, that was a good 80 hours of my life. (laughs) (laughs) So I I guess that's all. Any final thoughts or anything? I guess uh, one thing I'll also remember this show for is being problematic in a lot of areas and tone deaf to its problems of misogyny and a little racism mixed in and both sides of them, all of which... I was not a fan of, and I think sometimes it didn't realize it. It didn't know what to do with itself, and it didn't realize the world we live in now and how some stuff just doesn't come off as well. Hmm. And and some people argue that it's just that's how quote the world was back then, even though this was never a world. So, <laughs> and so I guess it's always important to remember that any like. To say this is just a misogynist world was a choice they made, and I don't know if mm. they did the best with that choice, like, once they made that choice to make this a world of misogyny, but... I mean, yeah. I don't know if the show is trying to make statements about women, True. but I do think, like, the portrayal of women kind of teetered a lot yes. throughout the series, and so having our, basically, our main protagonist, who's a woman go crazy yeah. and need to be killed. That was not, I didn't feel good. Yeah, it was not a good yeah. look. And like I said, the Grey Worm's journey doesn't seem the best look. And there, there's just a lot of that there too. And yeah, that's, that's also something I remember. I'll remember for the show for me. Yeah. It has a really complicated relationship with women because it presents a yeah. lot of really strong, three-dimensional characters. I mean, up until the very end there, Danny was one. Cersei was always like Ryan said, you know, she's a monster, but she can be sympathetic to most people except for me and David. Yeah. And, um, you know, Arya and Sansa are very, you know, go on interesting journeys and their journeys are all very based on like pushing against traditional gender norms and carving out power in this misogynistic patriarchal society. But then the show is also just like terribly tone deaf sometimes about Mm -hmm. the way that it presents stops along those journeys and things like that. And so it's, it's definitely, like it's you can't say that it handles women great, but it also isn't just like completely terrible about it either. It's very, it's very much a mixed bag, and 
it is yeah. something worth considering. Yeah, I mean, it has strong female characters, but it's just a world that's very patriarchal that never really changes, and no one even like right. attempts to change it. And so then it's like you're you've made this world, but you're not making a statement on it, and that just is a problem yeah. in and of itself. Yeah, yeah. I guess my only fun, final thoughts, just sort of as speaking towards this last season and and really the last two seasons, I just I think the the showrunners and it was entirely their decision. Uh, really shot themselves in the foot by limiting themselves to 13 episodes. I think if they had done two, like, 10-episode seasons for seven and eight, they would have had the room to develop some of these ideas, to Mm -hmm. give this stuff room to breathe. And it's kind of like you're... I think I've said this to David, where it's like... the stuff that happens in, like, these final two seasons, if I was reading it on, like, a Wikipedia page... I'd be like, oh, okay, that's that's kind of interesting. I'm I'm excited to go like watch this thing and find out like how all of that happens. And then you would watch it and be like, oh no, everything that was in that Wikipedia page is is all that happened. There was no like depth or development or background that wasn't in that summary of things that happened. It does seem like a Wikipedia page is the ideal format for this last few seasons. (laughs) And so that's, so it's like on paper, like, you know, Daenerys comes to Westeros and gets convinced to help fight the living against this ice zombies. And then she does that. But then circumstances lead her to go too far and burn the city to the ground and have to be killed. And you're like, oh, that sounds really, I'd like to see how that happens. Mm -hmm. Like that's an, a different unexpected turn for the character. And then you watch, you're like, no, that's all there is. That's there's no more context to that whatsoever. It's just a list of things that happened. Yeah, they had a they did the dual sin of condensing the time remaining they had to not have enough time to tell their story, but then also not making the best use of the time they did have. Right, well. right. So, uh, yeah, and then you end up with kind of a mess of two seasons. And maybe that's part of why I'm not as enraged with this as I am with Lost. Is foolishly or not uh david may mock me for this there is there is still the hope that ger martin may come out with two more books that basically mm-hmm. like offers up the non wikipedia deeper background on these events and so it could very well be a case of like you know i'll read those books and then i could go back and watch the show and be like well the show didn't establish all of this but i at least know for reading the books like this is why daenerys did what she did and this is why that happened and whatnot well, and this, it wasn't like a fuck you to the audience, and it wasn't like total incompetency. It was just like, it could, it felt like it could have been better. Yeah, yeah, really, that is what it put. And I think that's why a lot of people who are pissed off are pissed off, is because it's like, yeah. this could have been better. <laughs> right. But it wasn't like a travesty. Right. Like, it wasn't, I don't know. I mean, is the general consensus just that they really fucked up for the ending of this series? I feel like that. Well, I feel like that's a general consensus, but I'm having a hard time gauging how much of that is like legitimate and how much of that is just everything is a disaster as far as the internet is concerned. Right. Totally. Yeah. It's well, hard to tell. You know, not to completely reiterate everything I've been saying, but I think some of that, I think there's a lot of people who are very angry and I think it's because of the confluence of the Daenerys story was terribly told at the end and also mm-hmm. fed into the problematic elements of the wider, you know, the show itself and so you got those two things coming together and people Mm. aren't you know 
it's a. I just wonder if there's a version of the ending of this show that everyone would have been really happy. Uh, there, with, I don't you know? think there's a version of any story that every that everyone is happy with, but but stuff goes over. Well, like you know, we debated Avengers, but that was very well received and very successful. Like people can nitpick it, but it was it went over well with the populace, you know. Yeah, yeah, and that's where I don't know, like the general non twitter being on populace um mm-hmm. i've no, i've yet to really get I mean, it's only been two days i don't quite know what yeah. the sort of you know average viewers reaction to all of this is yet well well the show kind of presents a weird paradox of it's a show that's like has always given the audience what they don't want so then how do you make a satisfying ending when that's been, like, <laughs> right. entire mo the entire season <laughs> series i know make brand yeah yeah you know, maybe like what else are you expecting nobody wanted it i mean it, arguably that is the most appropriate ending because it's the one thing no one was rooting for which is what the show's all about all right well austin i find you fascinating where can i find you on the internet to get more of your opinions uh you can find me on twitter talking westerosi history at austin gordon <laughs> And uh, you can read my writing at therealgentlemanofleisure.com. How about you, David Bitsenhofer? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, at Dr. Bits. That's doctor spelled out. And as I said, I am review- I have reviewed all the, not all the episodes of Game of Thrones, but Game of Thrones reviews are on uh, therealgentlemanofleisure.com. I still have to write the final, well, maybe by this time it's come out. Whatever, you can go on. I keep rambling. Wow, you really made me want to read more of <laughs> content <laughs> it does ramble there too so if you just want to hear long run-on sentences or read go there as for me <laughs> your host this week ryan alexander tanner i have a website it's oh yes very nice.com it's i'm an illustrator so it's my illustration website um and i'm not on any social media i've been doing this for about three weeks now and it's lovely it's i recommend to everyone just quit that shit it's bad for you this Game of Thrones finale reaction being a good example. I really like not having read hundreds of angry rants about it. Uh, It just doesn't feel good. As for the show, we are a very special episode. We have a website. It's a very special episode podcast.com where you can stream every single episode. Can you download them from there too? You can. Cool. Uh, We have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash avsepod, where you can go on and tell us that we're SJWs or whatever for our opinions about this episode. (laughs) Our Twitter is at avsepod. Oh, that's an even better place to call us SJWs. Yeah. And you can email us at avsepodcast at gmail.com. We'll read it and we'll feel really good about ourselves. Even if you don't like us, we'll just be glad that someone knows we exist. Our show can be downloaded on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, and Stitcher, where we also take five-star reviews. Please give us your highest review rating on there, and we'll be happy to accept it. Uh, Until then, me and my all-seeing eye are going to just sit here with no visible emotions. Sounds like a Doctor Strange reference to me. Oh, well, I get them confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was this ABC on your home PC with some VIPs of SBTP. Was it Austin G? 
Dr. Strange was king. No one would have saw that one coming. <laughs>